Welcome to Work Mom Says Don't Be an Idiot. And now, here's your host, Work Mom. Thank you for joining me for Work Mom Says Don't Be an Idiot, the podcast that aims to help young professionals play the emotional contact sport of business. And today I have a guest that has been with us before, Ayana King with Maximum Communications. And Ayana is is just a rock star in the area of DEI. She Mm -hmm. says what needs to be said. She tells you what you need to hear. And she does it in a way that's just really straightforward and um, and honest. And a lot of us, uh, we were just talking before we started recording this session, a lot of us don't want to be that honest. And mm-hmm. so Ayana's here today. Ayana, tell us a little bit about yourself. Thank you so much for having me today, Lori. I am Ayana King, um, and I own a small little DEI education agency called Maximum Communications, where I am doing diversity, equity, and inclusion education nationwide, both in person and via webinars, and it has been the joy of my life, honestly, outside of having children. It's the other joy of my life. <laughs> yeah, it's your baby. That's your baby. And I know we we talked uh, probably about two years ago, and we talked a lot about, at that point, about being Black at work and helping yeah. um, people who are not people of color understand the roadblocks and challenges and difficulties that people of color experience in our workplaces. Well, here we are two years later. Honestly, I don't know if anything has changed. Um, I know you've been out there doing the work, but I, I thought a really good topic of conversation for us today would be those of us who really want to be good, strong allies and help, you know, kind of, I mean, eradicating it would be amazing, but even right. chipping away at the, you know, the hidden biases and the racism at the yeah. office, we know exists. It's like that nasty underbelly of corporate America. And so I know you've been doing this DEI training for companies for the last couple of years. What do you think um, young people at work need to know? Yeah, well, I I started back in 2018. And obviously, after the murder of George Floyd, um, my agency, the work that I'm doing, as well as other folks doing this work, we saw an explosion of people who all of a sudden were appeared to be wide eyed, very ready. Let's have the conversations. Let's do the work. Um, But it did not take very long to recognize that folks were not ready. Um, What folks were really interested in doing Um, was not appearing to be racist. That's really what it was about. And so, um, you know, one of the things that I always challenge my client partners and those who come through my workshops to do is look at themselves, okay? Um, This is very personal work. So if Mm -hmm. you want to make a change in the workplace, the change starts with you. I know that sounds very cliche. The change starts with you, but no, it really does. It really does it because does. It really um, does. you have to do the personal work first. And then, especially if you are in a position of influence or advantage, a position of leadership, then you can share what you know in your circles of influence. But if you don't learn it first, if it is not personal to you first, um, it's performative, period, point blank. And folks from marginalized communities, 
whether that be black folks or brown folks, whether that be folks from the LGBTQ community, whether that's older folks or folks with disabilities. We know, we know when somebody is blowing smoke and when it's for real. Um, and I'll say, you know, um, I have just been very proud and very happy to work with the organizations I've been working with because I've been able to say that to them um, mm -hmm. without sugarcoating it. And they have answered the call and they have begun to do that very personal work. Um, you're not going to bring everybody along, um, but that yeah. is the goal. The work is personal. It, it really is. Um, I don't know if you saw the Dr. Phil episode that was on a couple of months ago. I was fascinated by this episode and really surprised to see it on his show of all places. And he invited these two women, one is Indian, the other is yeah. a black woman. And they were, had a documentary they produced called Deconstructing Karen. Yes. And they put a whole bunch of white women around a table mm -hmm. and they start talking to them and they said, raise your hand if you're racist. And they all sat there with their hands down and just kind of exactly. looked, looked at each other because nobody wanted to really look into our own perceptions that have been created by living in this country where yes. racism is, it, we're steeped in it. Yes. And a lot of us yes. don't want to admit it, but it was fascinating to mm -hmm. see it on afternoon talk show television like that. Like, Wow. I don't know that we would have seen that a couple of years back. It was surprising. And the women that he brought on that said they weren't racist, they looked bad. They really mm -hmm. did look bad. Like they weren't following the rest of us. But I have a feeling there's a lot of us that think more people are in on this than, than there really are. Correct? Yeah. And, the, and, and listen, it shouldn't be that fascinating because Phil Donahue was doing this. Okay. Yeah. Phil Donahue... Um, back in the right. day, he had some very um, charged conversations, right? I will say right. it was not fascinating to black women, okay? It was fascinating no. for white women to see it. It was uncomfortable for white women yeah. to see it. And I always yeah. say and hope that this will really sink where it needs to sink for people who are really interested in doing this work in deconstructing Karen. Yes. Um, but yeah. also unlearning their own internalized racism. Yeah. Most people. Okay. In my experience, most white folks are more afraid of being called a racist than they are at considering whether or not they are right. Right. That's what I and, thought was so strange. It's like, yes. have you not been paying attention for the last, I, it, we should have been talking about it for the last 400 years, but right. the last two, two and a half years, we've all really been, you know, digging into it. You see more, more, if you're paying attention at all to the media, you see more coverage of mm -hmm. how to, you know, release your hidden biases, how to uncover your own racism, all that stuff. So to me, all I could think of is what bubble are you living in? And right. then I realized we're all kind of living in our own bubbles. Yes. Right. And, and you might not even be watching television that would bring that up, because if that is not in your purview, you know, if that is not in your scope of something that you want to understand, you wouldn't be watching that anyway. There are right. lots of white women, I am sure of it, who love Dr. Phil, who skipped out on that. Oh, yeah. Who skipped out on that. 
because that's not for me, right? That's not for me. That's not who I am. I don't need to hear that. Uh, Yeah, you do. Sure you do. Um, And I always say, specifically to white women, specifically to white women who openly say they are feminist, okay? Um, I always say to them, listen, if your feminism does not address racism and ableism and ageism and all of that stuff, you are not a feminist, okay? Mm -hmm. Um, You are trying to attain the same power that white men have in this country. Just say that, okay? Just say that. Because I will respect that. And then we can work from the truth. But we can't work from a place where you start out with a lie, whether you're lying to me or you're lying to yourself. That's not how that's not how we move forward. Um, And so I think the real challenge, whether we're in the workplace or at a table, is telling the radical truth to ourselves about who we are and how we are. Um, and that is really difficult, even in my own life, even in my own experience with white women in my in my um, vicinity. OK, right. <laughs> um, that's hard to do. It is. It's hard to yeah. Do. Well, and it requires a high level of discomfort. Yes, it really does. And I don't mean that to say that it's anywhere near the discomfort that people of color and marginalized communities feel. But when you've, you know, been living your happy little life in this country and you all of a sudden somebody says you're racist and you're like, I'm not racist. Yes. You're like, oh, honey, give it some thought. And you could probably come up with two or three questions to ask that person that they would go, oh, you're right. I have a lot to work on. But the, the, the impetus or reason to get yourself uncomfortable seems to be missing. So the motivation to get that uncomfortable, I mean, you can tell with what's happening in Florida with the, you know, African-American studies, you know, Black History Month, taking those out of the curriculum. Mm -hmm. There's a certain percentage of our population that just doesn't think that white people should feel bad about their history. And I'm not, I don't think we should all walk around feeling like shit all the time as much as let's acknowledge what happened. Right. Let's cry our tears and let's move on and change it and dismantle it. Mm-hmm. But without acknowledging it and experiencing that discomfort, it's just not going to happen. Right. So in your work, how do you get people to get that personal connection? Um, it takes weeks and weeks and weeks. It really does. Uh, I ask them hard questions. I ask them to consider whether or not they actually are racist. I ask them to consider how they were brought up. I ask them to consider the roots on that tree. I ask them to take um, an implicit bias test. Um, I ask them their level of comfort of stepping in and speaking up. Um, And I do this again over the course of four to six weeks. Okay, so I'm not hitting you with a a one day workshop and all of a sudden you're going to get it. No, I'm I'm dripping on you week after week after week. And then I'm coming back to you week after week and saying, what did you notice? And it takes a long time for people to start even speaking up and saying, "Um, yes, I can admit that I am a person um, who has been a perpetrator of microaggressions. Um, Yes, I am a person who can admit that my unconscious bias would lead me to look at a person who was different from me and automatically make negative assumptions about them based on what I've been told 
um, or based on what I have experienced, rather my experience or somebody else's in the past. It takes a very long time to get people to even consider that. They and, and still, they might not even admit it out loud, right? But I'm exposing them to truths over and over, over a period of weeks. And at the same time, being vulnerable and sharing some of the things that I have done, um, mm-hmm. some of the mistakes that I have made, um, acknowledging that anti-Blackness is for everybody, okay? <laughs> right, right. Um, it happens in the Black community as well. Um, and so, you know, really getting people to understand that if you believe yourself to be a good and fair and just person, you will always be looking for those parts of yourself that are sometimes unjust and unfair and trying to fix that. Um, And if you are not doing that intentionally, you are not doing the work, period. You know, you can try to make all the excuses that you like, um, but this is very intentional work. Um, I don't care how many black friends you have. Do you really have a black friend? That's the number one question. Okay, Um, because if you have a black friend and you are not having any of these questions specifically since 2020, guess what? You ain't got a black friend. You don't. You're having acquaintances. You know black people. And so, again, people have to be able to look themselves in the mirror and say, you know, I got some work to do. Um, And if you are not willing to do that, that's fine. But don't pretend that you are, because guess what? Um, What is a blind spot for you is very clear to other people. Um, And so, you know, again, if we go back to the workplace, I just think about my own experience in all the workplaces I was in, whether they were predominantly white or not, I think about how I knew I was safe and whom I was safe with and why I knew that. And for Mm -hmm. the vast majority of places that I have worked as an adult, um, specifically those places that were predominantly white, you know, that was not always a good environment for me, even though I had some good experiences there. Ultimately, um, you know, when you're talking about experiencing microaggression or really just not being able to show up as your authentic self, um, when you talk about having to be the stand in for all black people, uh, yeah, that don't feel good. It's right. it's not a good feeling right. um, and it's not good for you. <laughs> no, can Let's talk about microaggressions. Mm-hmm. Tell me about what, tell me what kind of microaggressions do people tend to throw your way, not realizing that they're doing it? Because I know that has to happen. Yeah. It, so first of all, what people really need to understand about most microaggressions is that most microaggressions, the person on the giving end, the perpetrator, in most instances, they have no idea that they've said anything that's offensive. In many cases, they think they are saying something that is helpful. They think they are saying something that is positive. They think they are saying something to um, really endorse you as a person. Um, But it's one of those backhanded compliments. So there are three kinds of microaggressions that I always tell people about. There are micro assaults, which are the most heinous kind. These are not um, accidents. These are things that people say they know it hurts. Okay. Yeah. But what they'll do is they'll, they might pass it off as a joke and then they'll gaslight you. Oh, you don't know how to take a joke. Okay. Then there's mm-hmm. micro insults and micro invalidations. So a micro insult might be something, someone saying like, oh, you're not like the other black people I know. 
or somebody saying something as seemingly innocent as, wow, you, you are really articulate, like with wonderment, like that I could speak intelligently, right? So these are micro insults because they think they're saying something that is helpful. They think they're endorsing you as a person. A micro invalidation that I hear again and again and again, and I tell people all the time, if you're serious about doing this work, stop saying this. The phrase, I don't see color. I don't see color is a micro invalidation because you invalidate me when you choose not to see my color. And if you are a person in a position of advantage and power and you're talking about equity and you're talking about how to get to a place of equality, there's no way you can get there when you don't see my skin color. Okay. When you refuse to see me as a black woman, you also then refuse to see all of the challenges I have because I am a black woman in certain spaces. Um, So all of those things are red flags to people who know the difference. All right. Um, People who are experiencing this kind of stuff on a regular basis. Um, All of those sorts of phrases and you know, um, you're not like them or you're so different. All of that. We we know what it is when we hear it, even though the person saying these things, you know, they think they're being helpful. You know, like, I don't like black people, but I like you. Yeah, <laughs> it's kind of what they're saying. Right. 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 Let me tell you something else that really, really irritates me. OK, so, you know, we live um, we well, I'm in Wayne County. I think are you in Wayne or Oakland? I'm in Oakland. Okay. So I'm in Wayne County. I'm in a small city, literally a short drive to Detroit. Okay. And so the number of white folks who are here in the suburbs who talk about not going to Detroit, oh, I'm not going to go to Detroit. Even people I know. Okay. People I know. It is such a red flag for me because you're not looking at your own neighborhood and the meth addicts who be walking around through your backyard, up and down your street. You're not talking about these people on um, fentanyl um, who are breaking into houses and stealing. You're not talking about people who are harming children in your own community, but you are so focused on, I don't want to go to Detroit because it's dangerous. Um, Sir, ma'am, madam, uh, your living room is what you need to be worried about. Okay. Uh, Your neighborhood is what you need to be worried about. And that is a red flag for me because what you're saying is this city that is predominantly black is a dangerous city because it is predominantly black. All of that, right. you know, that's a red flag for me. I see you for who you are. Just, just say I'm a racist. <laughs> but the thing is, is that most exactly. racists don't know that they're racist. They just don't know it. <laughs> you know, they don't know how it. How do they find out? How, how do they find out? <laughs> they don't. They don't until they run into somebody like me or somebody like you who's willing to say, you know, you're a racist, right? You know, that's racist, right? right? Because in their minds... A racist is someone who goes around dropping the N-bomb, right? Right. A racist is somebody who, you know, is just more overtly hateful. But no. Yes, who's more or aggressive, right? But you know what I say? um, You know, quiet white women are very dangerous. Passive racism. Yeah, passive racism is just as bad. Listen. If not worse. Worse to me. Because you know what? I like to know who I'm dealing with. And at least with an overt racist, I know who you are. I don't like people who sneak and, you know, uh, you know, like to dip around the community, you know, because it feels good for them. 
you know, they love the music, but hate the culture, you know, don't like the people. Those are the people who are dangerous to me. The people who are in relationship with overt racists, okay, but who still want to try to be your friend. You're no friend of mine if you are also friend to racists. I see you Mm -hmm. and you are dangerous for me. Those are the folks who I think are, I don't know, who, who really need to hear it most because they think themselves to be pious, you know? Um, now I don't even want to get into the church, but yeah, they, they see themselves as not being part of the problem. But wow, I think about the damage that has been done just because a white woman has cried, right? We see it for what it is. Let's talk about that a little bit, because I, I find it really interesting that so many white folks don't understand why what there's two concepts that I, I don't think people get that they expect their black and other marginalized community friends to do the help heavy lifting for them, to tell them yes. about it, to explain it to them, to, which I'm kind of doing today too. Sorry about that. But it's one of those where you invite the experts on to talk, right? But right. but people expect their black friends to do the heavy lifting and tell me why that's a problem. Yeah. Or why is what I said a big deal? No, 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 no. Don't do that. It's not yeah. your black friend's job to tell you why you're being racist. Go Let me point out yourself. the difference though. Let me point out the difference too here though, Lori, is that you and I do have a relationship. Yes. And it is yes. a friendship. The yes. issue is, again, you have white folks who know black people. That does not mean they are friends. Right. And they accost black people to do the heavy lifting without there being a relationship. Okay. So I know yeah. lots Tell of white folks. Tell me why. I, or whatever. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. Tell me why this isn't right. Um, no, go find out. Because it's emotional abuse to me. Um, for you to all of a sudden think because you have a black person, you you have access to a black person. Now you have access to the answers, but you don't. I'm friendly with lots of white folks, but that does right. not mean I am your friend. <laughs> right. Okay. Um, <laughs> exactly. And so I do this for a living. Unless right. we are friends, I'm going to go tell you to go find out or I'm going to tell you where you can book an appointment. Okay. Yeah, and I'm going to say how much it costs to come through a workshop. That's yeah. what I'm going to do. Um, so I think that, I think it goes back to really entitlement yeah. and lots of white folks not understanding it as being entitlement, but that's what it is. You believe yeah. because now you have access to this black person, you can just ask this black person for all of the answers instead of going doing your own work. The work begins with you, not with you asking a black person why this or that is wrong. Ask yourself why you think it's okay for you to do these things. Right. That right. That's where and, you start. And you're re-traumatizing people by forcing yes. them to discuss it with you, who they don't know and if you're safe or not. Specifically in the workplace. So when I do my workshops, I start at the top, okay? I start with executive leadership because that's almost always who needs it first. I start with boards. And I tell them, just because you have a Black employee or 
many Black employees who are willing to share this experience with you does not mean they're doing it gleefully. I want you to recognize that you are a person with power and advantage. And so when you come to your um, folks on your downline uh, to maybe ask them their experience, some of them are probably going to share it gladly. And some of them are probably going to share it with a smile but that does not mean they are happy to share it. It means that they understand the rules and they understand where they are in the company and where you are in the company. Um, right. And so people need to understand that. Go do your own work. There are lots right. of people who are doing this work, who are giving you access to their work, sometimes, many times for free. Don't you dare go and ask people you are not in relationship with anything. Mm -hmm. Go find mm -hmm. out. And when yep. you don't do that, you are telling on yourself. Right. Okay. Mm -hmm. Because you're saying, I deserve to know this and you you should be the one to tell me because you know it. Right. When in reality, that's the complete wrong person to ask. Listen, <laughs> I, mean, I, I, read I have books. people. Yeah. Go to your workshops, oh, right? Yes. <sighs> There's so many different ways that you can learn. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, you might not have time to go to a workshop. You might not have time to read a book. But you can watch a documentary, probably. You can probably listen to a podcast while you're doing your workout or while you're on your way to work. Um, there are lots of different ways. We have to get creative and stop going back to the default of, I'm just going to ask a person. I'm going to ask a Black person. I'm going to ask a gay person. I'm going to ask a disabled person. Um mm -hmm. Unless you're in close relationship with them, don't ask them nothing. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Don't, do don't seriously. ask them. Yeah, I, I personally think there's a lot, 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 lot of books. Mm -hmm. You can listen to them on Audible, like you said, when you work out or take a walk. Mm -hmm. There's so many great books out there. They're amazing. And there's so many consultants and workshops and videos and documentaries and things that you can watch to yeah. make yourself uncomfortable. And if you're a person of Caucasian descent and you are not making yourself uncomfortable to get rid of your hidden bias, mm -hmm. then you can pretty much just put that racist label across your chest and keep moving because yeah. that is not going to change without you doing the work. Right. It just doesn't. And, and you know what? I um, When I read Isabel Wilkerson's book, Cast... Um, oh. it really changed a lot for me because I stopped really asking the question because of her book about who was racist or not. Mm -hmm. Instead, um, I think about the caste system right. and to be honest with you, um, I look at racism as a spectrum now. <laughs> I don't think I know. And I'm married to a white man, right? Mm -hmm. I don't think that there are any white people in this country who do not grapple with racism because yeah. it, it's ingrained in everything you learn. Mm -hmm. Everything that you are taught, um, almost every experience you have had with a non-white person, um, and so I, I don't ask the question so much anymore of, is this person racist or not? Maybe I think of it when I meet people and I talk to them is how racist are they? Exactly. Well, that's, <laughs> you know, that's uh, kind of it, right? I mean, that's kind of um, it because 
Like we, you know, if you, that was the book that really kind of just completely changed my life. I lost sleep yes. over it. Four days I didn't sleep because yes. it's so it's our history yes. that we don't acknowledge or even know about yes. is so toxic and so abusive Mm-hmm. That as soon as you read that book and you just like take it to heart, which I don't think anybody yeah. can read it without taking it to heart, you start to understand the whole systemic, what people mean when they say systemic. Yes. I just yes. heard that um, the AP courses were taking the word systemic out from in front of the word racism. Hmm. And um, as part of meeting the standards of the new um, far right people that are trying to erase history. And so what an exercise, what an exercise, right? And what racism is that that white people in power get to now tell you what systemic racism is or is not, right? There's no such thing. We'll just eliminate it and act like it doesn't exist. Exactly. Exactly. So I just don't think that it's helpful for me to go around trying to figure out um, you know, if Lori is racist or if Kim is racist or if, if any of these people who I enjoy being around, who I like, who I have relationships with are racist or not. Instead, what I have to think about all of these people um, who I have relationships with and, and who I like is, are they willing to see it for themselves and are they willing to change? That's a better question for me than is so-and-so racist. Yeah, that makes sense. Is that and person a person who's willing to see themselves and to make a better environment for me and my children to live in? Right. For me and other people who look like me to live in. For for me and, um, you know, undocumented folks to live in. For me and folks from the LGBTQ community to live in. Um, now, if they pass that smell test, okay, then maybe we could be friends. Yeah, there but you they go. they don't pass the initial smell test, the, the smell test to me is, are you racist or not? Because right. the answer in my mind is always going to probably be like, yup, yup, yup. I don't know how you couldn't be. Yeah. The litmus test for me is, do you know yourself? Yeah. Are you doing some intentional work? Are your eyes opening up? Yeah. Are you willing um, to look at that dark side of yourself? Yes. Because there's, we all have that shadow self that is, you yes. know, that's in there. Yes. 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 And what do you and do so with when it? I, yeah. And so when I do look at some of the relationships that I have with folks and when I also say to myself, man, I really want to like this person, but there's something about them. I'm asking myself, like, do I think they're doing the work? Um, Are they uncomfortable when I bring up race? Uh, I'm looking at their body language. Are they trying to change the subject? All of those are red flags for me. And um, yeah, again, this work is very personal. You know, um, Mm -hmm. if the only time you're talking about race um, is when you're with me, uh, we can't be friends (laughs) (laughs) because I'm I'm a therapist. You know what I mean? You you should be talking to other white folks about this stuff because those are the people that you have influence with, you know. Um, So when you learn something new, I'm always telling people that come through and I'm telling you, I have the most wonderful client partners and I'm. I am always just saying to them, everything you learn, don't hoard it for yourself. Take it back into the communities where you have influence. Okay. Mm -hmm. I love for people to go um, to marches and, you know, march for equality. I love that. I think that's really important. But I always say I would much rather you walk you behind into your living room. Okay. And and talk to your husband or talk to your in-laws or talk to your siblings 
or talk to your friend groups because those are the people that you actually have influence with. Okay. Um, You might walking in, walking in a march might feel good. Okay. Um, Might look good even on social media, but did you do anything? Yeah. What changed? Did you come home and not have any conversations with the people who you actually live with? Right. That's a litmus test for me. It's not the march itself. The march is not the litmus test. What did you do after the march? Right. Who did you talk to after the march? Are you only talking to me? Okay. Red flag. Yeah, seriously. So, yeah, I, I'll about- never really understand it. And I don't know how people, I think that our culture has also set us up to fear the different, to fear anything that's different. So people that are older than you, people that are, you know, that are a different skin color than you, people who have yeah. a different religion than you. Like, for example, um, I remember going out to um, a restaurant with my aunt when I was like 15, 16. It was just the two of us. And she looked around and she said, I can't believe how many Jewish people are here. And I had just moved to Michigan from down south. And I, Mm. I, I was like looking around going, well, how can you tell? <laughs> I had no right. idea what she was talking about. I'm like, right. what do you mean there's too many Jewish people? It would look like people in a restaurant. And it just, I'll never forget it because she was so upset and I could right. see nothing except for a bunch of white people in a restaurant. Yep. But, you know, the fear of the different is yeah. so um, dug in so deep in our culture. And I don't know how do you get people to give that up to just go, you know what? Besides exposure, besides mm-hmm. people, you know, um, talking to each other and being more open and that's how, that's how, and it's white people talking to other white people. Yes. Right. Yes. Yes. Because I know you've heard this said many times before, um, racism is not for black people to fix. No, we know how to navigate in this world uh-huh. with people yeah. who hate us. We yeah. know how to excel in an environment where people literally loathe us. This is not our issue to fix. This is for right. white people. Right. Racism is yours exclusively. So you will hear black people say, um, black people can't be racist. Black people can't be racist. Um, I just want to touch on that for a second because I think people don't understand the difference between prejudice and racism. Racism has to do with power. power. Okay. Racism has, that's why you will hear black people saying, uh, we can't be racist. Listen, we can be hateful for sure. We can be prejudiced for sure. But racism is about power. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm, I'm not going to, in most instances, be in a position of power over white folks. I'm just not going to. If I am the victim in a situation and the police are called, I'm almost always going to be accosted first. That has to do with power dynamics. So people really need to understand that specifically in the workplace. So if we can go back to the workplace for a second. um, This is why this work has to be intentional and you have to know yourself. If If your first thought when someone of a different race, someone of a different ethnicity challenges you, if your first thought is they are being hostile, they are being angry. If your if your first um, thought is to you need to tell somebody, you need to tell on your damn self, mm-hmm. okay? Mm-hmm. Because you're a racist. <laughs> because right. you understand power dynamics, which is why you say things like you're being hostile, you're being angry. Right. I can't talk to this person. 
You know, I'm a person that talks with my hands a lot. I can be boisterous. Same. That doesn't mean that I'm angry, but you and I would be categorized very differently. Aggressive. I get called like, you're just so aggressive. You're so, you're just too aggressive. You know, it's like, no, I would call it assertive, but because I'm a woman, I get called aggressive. Yes. And I'd say black women suffer even more from the angry black woman trope. Definitely. You know. Right. Definitely. So much so that when someone is actually discriminating against you, when someone is actually maligning you in the workplace, you will. For me personally, I remember this doing mental gymnastics. Was it worth it for me to speak up or not? Because I knew I I would be chastised. You know, Um, was I reading too much into it? Um, you know, was I somehow being unfair? Was I being extra sensitive because I was aware that I was the only black person? All of those things happen. So people in the workplace really need to be, again, doing that intentional work. And I, I always say, go to Project Implicit. It's free. Take several modules. They will help you uncover your own blind spots. And it might not feel good to recognize some of these things about yourself. But I always say it is much easier for you to swallow that than for somebody to point it out to you. Honestly, you better know yourself. Seriously. So if we were to give people like three different things that they could do to Mm -hmm. uncover their own hidden bias, that sounds like one right there. Go to Project Implicit. That's that's top yeah. of my list. Yeah. And then the other in, thing. Go ahead. The other thing I think um, people should do is consider their friend groups. Are your friend groups diverse? Um, do your friend groups include black and brown folks who can really share their experience? And if you say, yes, my friend group includes black or brown folks, but you are not having these conversations, I want you to consider whether or not you are a safe person for these folks. Mm. That's number two. And then number three, um, really um, immerse yourself into the Black experience. And you might not be able to do that on a personal level, especially if you don't have family members by extension or friend groups. But again, read books, watch documentaries, look at sitcoms and movies. Um You know, I think a lot of white folks always think as soon as you put the word black on front of something, it means that it's only for black folks. Um, But that also is not true. Support black businesses. Go in there. Walk around. See the things. Smell the smells. Get to know the people. Um, Do all of that. Immerse yourself in the culture. And again, if you are not able to do that physically, um, technology is wonderful. Um, Mm -hmm. Look at documentaries, sitcoms, movies. These are people who are sharing the experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you are somebody who is purposefully doing the unlearning, this is part of that process. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Like I, I like to put myself in social situations where I am the only white person or one of two or three, because mm-hmm. it's the way that we immerse ourselves that we start to break down those biases that come from living in the lily white suburbs and never seeing yes. a black person. So it's like, Oh, I, I don't, they're different. They won't like me. Well, how do you know if you're an asshole, they won't, but what, what do you mean? They just won't like right. you. And right. that's a lot of the fear. Like, Oh, I have a Jewish person. I am sharing an office with a Jewish person. Now, what if I say something 
that makes them uncomfortable. Well, you might, yeah. but then won't yep. you apologize and keep moving and, yep. and learn from it? So yes. the fear of putting yourself, you got to give that up. And that to me has been one of the best things I've ever done is just to stop, to look for, look for options, look for places, look for opportunities. I yes. hired a black woman as my business coach. Yeah. Leaps and yep. bounds. I have grown and she has a group where there's like eight of us and two of us are white and the other six are black. And it just, you know, again, just, okay, let's just, why is that a problem? Why we should even have to think about it is I think at this date and age in 2023 that we have to think about that and be purposeful about it is a little annoying or a lot annoying and pretty disgusting, but it's really a fun, pleasant way to drop a lot of that stuff that I'm going to be too different and they won't like me. Yeah. That's what, that's what was in my head. I'm too different. I'm going to put my foot in my mouth, make a dumb mistake and then they'll hate me. Well, why? Cause you don't trust yourself. Are you that bad that you're going to do something really mean? No. <laughs> you you know? know what I think sometimes, and I had this conversation not too long ago with my husband. Um, I, I network. Okay. Um, in professional circles, I'm part of my local chamber, which is predominantly white. So I am many times, okay, one of the only black women in the room, okay? Right. Um, not always, but oftentimes. And I think about how many of them would be willing to put themselves in that situation, and they wouldn't. And I am convinced it is because you know your own people group. And so you assume that the same way your people group behaves at times, the things that they say out loud, you know, unashamed, you think that that's that's what will happen in the black community. Guess what? We don't be doing that bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. It ain't the same. No, it's not. It's not the same. It's not. Yeah. And that's probably where that comes from. Where that feeling of discomfort. Yes. Yes, yeah. I am. I I am. <laughs> I'm almost wow. certain. I think wow, that that's, that's a moment of clarity. Mm-hmm. That's a moment of clarity because I I mean I went through some difficulties personally, just feeling like I'm going to say something dumb. I'm going to put my foot in my mouth. I'm going to be an idiot, and I'm just going to be, you know, thrown out. Well, that is because you navigate white spaces where, you know, people say the most overt and racist bullshit. okay, and then just go on with their lives no matter who's around. And you worry about that being your experience as the only white woman in a room full of black folks. We don't get down like that. And I've never had it happen. And you probably would never. (laughs) I've been accepted and loved. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not saying that hasn't happened to someone. I'm sure it has happened to someone somewhere. But um I think that that is rare, but I also think that there are some folks who will say that is also because black folks have been conditioned to be welcoming to white folks. Oh, Mm -hmm. again. Yes. Right. Yeah. So it's many, 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 many layers. It's many, many layers and we won't fix it um, until we do the work ourselves again. Very personal work. Yeah. Until we talk and we keep talking and we keep talking and we keep talking and we make concentrated efforts to hire black people, pay black people. If you want someone to help you with your hidden racism, pay a black person for their work. 
go to their that's workshops. Right. You know, yep. I mean, that's how it works. Hire an executive coach. Yourself. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Do you do executive coaching? I have just started doing coaching with um, some of the folks I had already been working with um, in larger groups. So now some of those folks are saying, can you do some one-on-one? Like, what does that look like? Um, And I have to be honest, that was weird for me at first because I think I had a lot of notions about who a coach was or what a coach was or what a coach did. But I've been doing that work, um, again, since 2017, 2018. Uh, So... Yeah, and I am enjoying it. And and I think that that's another one-on-one is another really good way to to build friendships too. So, there's yeah, that part. Absolutely. Well, Ayana, thank you so so much for joining me today. You just always have so many wonderful tidbits and insights and I think we just got to a really deep place of why we all feel so uncomfortable because yeah, we right? expect to be treated the way that the white community treats others and it's not always mm-hmm. good. Matter of fact, mm-hmm. a lot of times if there's any differentiation, it's it's used against us, you know, or against people right. that have differences. So where can people find your material and learn more about you? Um, they can go to my website, getmaxcoms.com. That is G-E-T-M-A-X-C-O-M-M-S.com. Or they can find me under Ayana King on LinkedIn. Um, about 90% of all of my clients come from LinkedIn. So I love it so much. And um, yeah, it's been great for me. That makes a lot of thank sense. Thank you for having me on today. Awesome. Yeah, thank you for being here. So that's it for today's episode of Work Mom Says Don't Be an Idiot. Now keep in mind, we have a book coming out April 1st. Ayana's giving us a review. We have all our Woo! guests. We asked all our guests to give us a review of the book. Lots of great, helpful information and advice on navigating the emotional landscape of business. It's crazy out there, and I don't think it's gotten any better. If anything, it's gotten stranger in the last couple of years. Um, But please, um, we'd love to have your feedback. We are looking for reviews on the different podcast platforms. I'd love to hear what you think. So send me a review, um, and you can also get in touch with me on LinkedIn at LoriJoBest.com. I'm an open networker there, and our website is workmomsays.com. If you have any ideas for a guest that we should have on or a topic we should cover, please um, go there and submit a contact form and tell us about it. So again, thank you so much, Ayana, and thank you for joining us. We'll be back with another episode soon. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Work Mom Says. Don't be an idiot. For more information, you can email Work Mom at L-O-R-I WorkMomSays.com. That's Lori at WorkMomSays.com. And remember, <sighs> don't be an idiot. Don't be an idiot.